The repercussions of his death would be felt far beyond the relatively small volume of the nineteen systems he ruled. His momentary twinge had been swallowed up in the deep, steady aching he'd endured for so long. Now he watched the storm clouds roll in, right on schedule. He nodded without realizing that he did. His engineers were expensive, but they were the best, and they asked no questions. He knew he could trust them to keep their mouths shut, too. Good girls, even though Sonia's eyes had been brimming over when he'd given the order. Everyone knew his fondness for good, bracing weather. At least, he tweaked himself, you're fond of it now that you don't have to campaign in it anymore. The black avalanche of clouds engulfed the sky, spreading and advancing. As he watched, it blotted out the strewn the gemwork open star cluster that ornamented Epiphany's night as though a divine hand had sown seeds plucked from the first light. Lightning danced among the clouds, green-white, followed by thunder. The air freshened with ozone. On old earth, now shunned, mocked, having turned her back on her progeny, on old earth his age would be reckoned at ninety-three, In that time he'd been slave, murderer, outlaw, rebel, and conqueror. Hated and loved, he'd never quite believed that he deserved either. Weir had brought along a small sound unit. Almost missing the control in his trembling, he put finger to touchpad. Music surged, sinister but lush and high-flown. It was the overture to an opera written long ago on Transvaal, a world that Weir had been about to draw into his expanding sphere of influence, a thinly disguised metaphorical tale sponsored by that planet's government. It had been composed by a young genius who'd unleashed his full powers. Weir was portrayed as a kind of Mephistopheles who was defeated in the course of the story. But Weir took a perverse pleasure in the grand and undisguised majesty of the music, the unrestrainedness of it. The young composer had died in the final battle for his home planet. Weir's forces took over, doing away with the slave trade that had thrived there and executing most of the plutocrats who'd run the place. He loved the music, though, and was amused by it. He was not as evil as he was often portrayed, he was convinced. Nor was he as virtuous. He longed to stand and stretch, fill his lungs with the charged air, but his body had long since failed him. Perhaps on one of the truly advanced worlds, one that had missed the Dark Age after the sundering of the old interstellar unity and the end of the second breath of humankind— he could have had more years of life. But the new techniques were unavailable within his jurisdiction, and he refused to leave it. That had left him infirm, wed to the sustaining machines. Until tonight. Still, he had extended his influence, played his part in the great conflicts and struggles that had given birth to the third breath of the human race. The third breath! It was a labor even to murmur the words, but a joy nonetheless. He loved their sound. 
He who ruled nineteen star systems and wore an owner's code tattooed into his skin and a subdural implant that broadcast it. The third breath, no longer being born but passionately alive. Change and growth and light, he welcomed them. Strange attractors. A habitual musing came to him as his thoughts wandered. Strange attractors. When Weir realized he was no longer alone, he was half dreaming of a girl he'd known for a brief moment in his youth. Her brown hair, ringlets of it, with its highlights of gold, had flown in the wind of a landing field. Her eyes, black and deep, had reflected the glare of a binary stellar system and held everything else to themselves, at first. They'd come to love one another. For nearly eighty years he wondered what had become of her, and never, for all his efforts, had been able to find out.